Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Rock Squad podcast, your destination for the latest in rock music news, reviews, and discussion. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Nick Chino. I'm joined by my co-host and bandmate. It's Dave Marini. What's up, Dave? Hey, Nick. Hello, everybody. Before we get going today, drop down to the bottom of this video, subscribe to our channel, like this video, comment on this video. If you've got something to say, we want to hear it. You can follow me at Red Coast Records across the board, every platform. Nick, my friend, how have you been? It's been a while. Uh, I've been doing okay. You can follow me at The Walking Nick. And uh, Dave, I, I I don't know if this ruins my rock and roll credentials, but I, I cut my hair. It's First short, time in, it's short, but I like it. You look handsome. Thank you. First time in uh, almost two years, cut my hair. So uh, it off, as much as I liked having the long locks and it was good for headbanging, uh, the hair was getting in my mouth all the time. Uh, we're getting ready to start playing together again. And I need to be able to, I need to be able to sing and be able to do things without, uh, choking on my own hair. Yeah. Long hair is a pain in the ass, man. My hair's all dipped up right now. So I yeah. totally get what you're saying. We actually, we did a, uh, we did a, um, a, a recording of us doing one of our songs outside near a fire a couple weekends ago. <laughs> and I, and I completely inhaled like three quarters of my hair. So I totally yeah. know what you're talking about. Uh, but yeah, you look very handsome. You're a handsome boy, and oh, I uh, I, li- I like it all chopped up. I like it long. I like it short. You look good yeah. either way, pal. Yeah, we're both chameleons in that way. We can go long. We can go short. Uh, you know, we got to be able to go back and forth. So it's nice. It's nice to have a change. Uh, but enough about my hair. Um, <laughs> this uh, this week there was an important anniversary. I put this on our Instagram yesterday at Rock Squad Pod, and that is the anniversary of the release of Oasis's single. Do you know what I mean? Which came out oh. in. Uh, in 1997 and I, I put a little bit of a story on our on our uh, instagram about how th- this song in particular was such a big influence on me as a music fan and a rock and roll fan and an oasis fan uh it just blew my mind and really made me uh a music fan and i think it set me on the path of being a musician and a songwriter yep. and a music lover that i am now so i uh, you know it's a little bit sentimental but uh, I felt the need to shout it out on our Instagram yesterday. This is a, a, a classic song. And the funny thing is, Dave, I don't know if you know this, but you know what I mean, is that it's the same chords as Wonderwall. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, uh, I did know that, but that's funny. Yeah, that's, that's... it's the exact same song pretty much. A couple of different chord changes here and there, but uh, otherwise it's exactly the same. So happy anniversary to, uh, do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's crazy, man. Uh, that, that, that whole era of uh, Oasis and stuff. Uh, they were such a huge part of me too, like just growing into liking music. And it's so crazy that these albums are hitting those pinnacles right now. So that's awesome. Congratulations. Congratulations. Do you know what I mean? I remember I went to go pick it up at the HMV in Limeridge Mall. The memories, Dave. The memories. Right? right? Record stores. I know. They, they, they were awesome. They, they still exist, but it was, I don't think you can find a CD single in there anymore. Um, no, no, but no. Uh, another thing that happened today that was kind of a surprise was Don Broco, one of our favorite bands are up here on the wall. Uh, one of our favorite bands released a new single called Gum Shield. It's the second single from their new album, Amazing Things, which comes out on September the 17th. It was funny the way they rolled this thing out because they uh, set up, I guess, a fake fight boxing match between the lead singer of uh, Don Broco, Rob Damiani, and another uh, English fighter that they were going to get together and have this epic boxing match uh, online. And then it just resulted in the release of uh, a new music video. But the song's really cool. You said you were digging it. 
Yeah, man, I got worked completely. I was like a wrestling fan on it. I thought <laughs> I thought that Rob was gonna get in a real fight. I was like, maybe, maybe he's doing maybe he's spreading his wings, getting it, dipping his toe into some other yeah, That's street. what I thought too. And uh, I definitely thought there would be music attached to it somehow, whether it be like a video or a thing. But I, I loved it, man. I sent you a message a little bit before it started to see. I'm like, you watching this? He's like, what's gonna happen? Yeah. I'm gonna knock the mullet right off this, off this guy right now. And uh, uh, no, it was it was fun. And uh, the uh, video that they came up with and the like, the whole campaign to put out this new song, super cool, super original, and uh, it turns into a wrestling match. So I was fine with it, 100. And uh, the song is super heavy, and super melodic, and I you can't you can't go wrong with Don Broco, man. They just keep getting better and better. Uh, it's in the same vein as like the last couple singles too, but it definitely has more of like the traditional Don Broco uh, vibe, but very heavy. Yeah, for sure. There's very something. Yeah. There's something different about the chorus too, which is really uh, which is really yeah. neat. And yeah, all their music videos are are really cool. They always go above and beyond when it comes to the concepts for their music videos, uh, and this one is is no exception. And there's a little cameo from the Beckham Prime. A character that yeah. they had in the previous music video so i always enjoy the thematic elements that run throughout their different videos and i'm super excited for the new record it's definitely up on my list of the most anticipated records of 2021 so yeah. i'm looking forward to some new don broco they they just they blow me away every time uh we're relatively new fans for them you know a couple of years but uh they definitely shot up to the top of our list of our favorite uh, bands sure. working today for sure man yeah we talk we talk about that all the time yeah, for sure. Loving the Don Broco. So before we get to our headliner topic and opening acts uh, topics, Dave, did you hear about this? This one uh, I thought was really funny is that a mom in New Zealand has named her three kids Metallica, Slayer, and Pantera. Um, <laughs> this is actually a true story, and I'm sure it's something you know you can relate to. You're you're a dad. You have kids. Uh, a New Zealand mom. She named her kids Metallica, Slayer, and Pantera. There's this documentary filmmaker named uh, David Ferrier. And I guess he did some digging, digging online. He made a discovery on the internet uh, with the registrar of uh, names in New Zealand. And he did find out that it was true and that this mom <laughs> named her kids after her three favorite metal bands. Um, so uh, what, what do you think about this? And, you know, you have two kids, but what would you, you know, if you're going to rename your kids or if you're going to have three more kids, what would you name your kids? Like which bands would you pick to name your kids after? Well, first of all, Let's just let's just get to the point that they have no other career path than stripper. <laughs> All of these the or metal the or metal musician. Metal when you, like Slayer, you're naming your daughter Slayer. Slayer, you like, come down to dinner. Well, they're from New Zealand, so uh, like Slayer, you come down to dinner. That's not, that's horrible. Yeah, or, I'm sorry. Or, uh, I'm sorry for that bad accent. Yeah, gentlemen, welcome to the club, Slayer. Yeah. Welcome to the stage, Slayer. Yeah, with her, with her sister Metallica. And, would you and take your? Sarah. Would you play with Metallica? Would you take them out with you tonight to the movies? Yeah, this is this is a prime example of what's wrong with the world. I think, you know, people just go too far and too like, you know, yeah. idolizing false false gods. <laughs> Come on, what are you doing? What are we doing here? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I feel for these girls because I'm sure that the the craziness in their life didn't stop with their name. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, there's probably a lot of other issues going on. But don't you feel yeah, like you missed the boat? Like you have two kids and you just gave them normal names. Like why would you, you know, like why wouldn't you name them something fun? Like you know, I was thinking if I was going to have kids, 
I would name them Oasis, of course, right? Sure. Because they have to be named, you know, like Oasis, that's a great name. Um, and sure. then Weezer, I think would be another good name because that was a, sure. a, a nickname for Rivers Cuomo when he was a kid. Sure. And then another good name for a kid would be Biffy. Biffy? Yeah. Little Biffy. But I would, think, I would think of Biff from uh, Back to the Future. Yeah, Biff. But, you know, that, Biffy. Is that a good thing? Uh, maybe, but then you think of this, you just think of your favorite Scottish rock band instead. Sure. Biffy. Sure. Don. 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 Broco. I don't know. No, that's hot right now. Yeah. Or, you know, I would, if I was going to, you know, you, like I would have kids named Liam and Noel or Paul and George or George and John or John and Paul. You know, how about McCartney? That's a good name for a child if you want to ruin uh, my his life. My uncle was really into cars and he wanted, he had a daughter. He wanted his name her, uh, Porsche. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Jaguar. Not, not Jaguar, but like the way they say it in, in England. Yeah, like Jaguar. Are there any good car names? Like any good car companies that would make good names? Mercedes is the name, I guess. Mercedes. Yeah, that's a horrible name. You know, it's not a lot of Fords Mercedes, around. yeah. Yeah. It doesn't really work. Not a lot of Chevys. Chrysler? I don't know. Dodge? Dodge would be okay. Dodgy? Dodgy. Dodge. Hey, Dodge. Hey, Dodge. Dodge. Nah, that's Dodge is all right. I, like, I kind of like Dodge. Dodge sounds like a secondary character in like a British. <laughs> like a, like a, what's the, who's the guy that did Snatch? Like a like Guy Ritchie like a, movie? Yeah, Guy Ritchie movie. Yeah. Hey, we got Dodge in the car. He's our driver. Yeah. Didn't Brad Pitt play Dodge? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. Well, you know what? This is horrible. I feel bad for the kids. The bands are great, but I feel bad for the kids <laughs> being named after after these uh, these bands. And hopefully, maybe they're just... If you want to go middle name, that's fine. You don't have to go full on first name. Oh. You, want, you know? Uh, yeah. I don't know, man. I think that... I think that this was a bad idea all around. I think somebody's yeah. got to tell this woman that this was a bad idea. How, I wonder what the, I haven't read anything about it. So like, I wonder what like the online community is. Uh, I'm sure there's quite a bit of outrage about it on Twitter. I, but I, I bet you it's positive in the band's world. Right. Then, like, negative. Free promotion either way. Right. That's fantastic. Yeah, exactly. These guys are getting free promotion. All right. Hey, you know what's, you know what's a, you know what's a good name for a baby? You know what yeah. two good names are? Dave right. and Nick. Yeah. Dave and Nick. Nice normal names. Just saying, you want to nice, know your kid. Gentlemanly names. Dave and Nick. Yeah. There you go. All right. Let's get to our uh, let's get to our show. We're going to get to our headliner topic coming up in just a couple of minutes on tonight's Rock Squad podcast and that is uh, is Rush getting back together. Of course they're not. But we're going to be talking about that coming up <laughs> on just a little bit. But first, let's get to our opening act topics. And that the first one is that Biffy Clyro. We were just talking about little Biffy, naming our kids after Biffy. Uh, Biffy Clyro have released their holier than now uh, Metallica cover from the upcoming Black Album 30th anniversary release called The Blacklist, which is going to feature uh, 50 plus artists doing their renditions of, uh, of Metallica songs from the Black Album. It's going to be coming out on September the 10th. And uh, Dave, I, I don't know if you heard this thing, but uh, I thought it was really cool. Like, I love Metallica. I love the Black Album. But as a Biffy fan, uh, I really enjoyed this, this rendition that they did. They did their own different version of it, which is their they're the way that they do covers. They've done lots of covers in the past and they always put their own Biffy spin on it. Uh, what did you think of this holier than now cover? 
Oh, it was awesome. I thought it was super cool. And it, it, it is different. Like you're saying, it's, it's not what you would re- like. I could see a lot of like true Metallica people being like, uh, I'm not, I'm not into it that, but I'm not that person. I'm into all sorts of <laughs> things. Either. So like, I thought it was really cool. I thought it definitely is a different take on the song. And uh, they've definitely used some creative flexibility and freedoms to do stuff. And I think it turned out really cool. And uh, I definitely think it may be one of those songs in the list that uh, is going to stand out for people because it isn't just, you know, oh, we play Metallica songs. Mm-hmm. It's something, you know, they definitely put their biffy spin on it, as you said. Yeah, for sure. And there's going to be, with 53 artists on this thing, there's going to be different artists doing the same song. Like I think Pup is doing Holier Than Thou as well uh, as a couple of other bands on the blacklist. So it's going to be interesting to see how each band takes the same song and interprets it in their own way. Um, For me, for the Black album, I'm not as familiar as, I know Holier Than Thou, but it's not as ingrained in my consciousness as Enter Sandman or... Uh, sure, sad yeah. but true or anything or the unforgiving which is probably better true. yeah so it made it's good it's a little bit fresher for me when i hear biffy do it uh but yeah like you're saying biffy does their own thing with every cover uh that they've done they did it's it was a long time ago and it's you can look it up on youtube but they did a cover of buddy holly by weezer um oh, yeah. and it's pretty much unrecognizable which i usually don't really enjoy with covers i don't like it when bands take covers and then completely do it so it's not the same song at all but they did do it with with weezer uh they did a really good cover of david bowie uh modern love uh, a couple of years ago for a david bowie tribute album that came out and that was super cool it was uh it was really heavy but maintained the spirit and the melody of the original song um so i'm psyched for this and i'm really excited for the rest of the stuff on the blacklist as well because we got weezer on there uh public we were saying uh miley cyrus is going to be on there so it's pretty exciting that's amazing yeah i'm totally stoked man i can't wait to hear the rest of everybody songs that are coming out and i love that they have different options for different songs and everybody has their own little take it'll be interesting to to hear what everybody's view of the same thing is yeah one song and then different interpretations so that's gonna be really really cool yeah so we're looking forward to the metallica blacklist that's coming out on september the 10th along with a 30th anniversary remaster of the original record so that's gonna be super Super cool cool. uh i will most likely just kind of pick and choose uh, some of the songs from the blacklist to check out. It's, it's definitely, a, I, I'm not sure if it's going to be on Spotify. I imagine that it will be. I know a lot of the proceeds from the sale of the blacklist are going to charity, but I'm looking forward to just kind of checking it out in general. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. I can't wait. Right on. Let's get to our next opening act topic on this week's podcast. And that is McCartney, Paul McCartney, Maca, and Rick Rubin are teaming up for a new documentary series that's going to be called McCartney three, two, one, that is going to explore the musical career of the Beatles and wings and solo legend is going to be a new six part series. Uh, that's going to be on Hulu. And then I imagine it's going to be on Disney plus star, uh, here in, uh, in Canada. It's going to basically just be from what I see in the trailer is Paul McCartney and Rick Rubin sitting around a mixing desk in the middle of Abbey road from what it looks like, uh, reminiscing about classic Beatles songs sitting there, uh, with the mixing board, putting on 
you know, classic Beatles songs like you know, they were listening to John songs, they were listening to some Paul songs, George songs, and bringing them up on the desk. And Paul just reminiscing about how they recorded the songs, what was going on in their lives. He talks about his relationship with uh, with John Lennon. And you know, for me, Dave, like I'm such a huge Beatles fan, and I've dug so much into whether it be the Beatles anthology or interviews on YouTube that I feel like I've heard pretty much every Beatles story that there is that Paul can tell uh, because he's told so many of them over the years and he's told a lot of the same stories over the years. Uh, but my hope is with this new documentary series that there might be some things in there that we haven't heard before. Yeah, definitely. What a cool thing, you know, Rick Rubin uh, is definitely, you know, we, we hold in such high regard. So yeah. as a producer and just mu musical mind really, and uh, any, if you've ever watched anything with the bands involved with Rick Rubin, they talk about how he references the Beatles all the time for, for rock songs and arrangements and like how things are supposed to go, you know, in pop music or rock music. So I think listening to him interview Paul McCartney about things will shed light on things that maybe other like other interviewers would never have touched upon so to me like you like yeah i've heard a million stories about a million other songs so i'm hoping that maybe it's it's the it's the angle of the question that opens up some new stuff and i think rick rubin's definitely the person to be asking those questions and it's been a really solid year so far and it's going to be continue to be a solid year for for musical documentaries we had the dave Grohl documentary what drives us we had um uh, there's a, this Rockfield documentary about the studio in England. Uh, it was that Summer Soul documentary that was on uh, that was on Disney Plus Star. You checked that out, didn't you? So, Summer Soul documentary by Questlove is amazing. It's so good. It's about this uh, cultural festival in Harlem. This, like the same summer of Woodstock '69, footage was lost for 50 years. Yeah, and they found it. They restored it. It looks amazing. It sounds amazing. Nina Simone, B.B. King, like nice. it's Stevie Wonder. Like it's just unbelievable. The, the fact that, and the fact that, you know, white media made it Woodstock, the summer of love, instead of focusing on this amazing or even sh showing any sort of uh, coverage of this uh, festival is shameful. But now Quest Love has been, you know, Decided to uh, put it out and direct. He directed it and cut it together. And I think it's a wonderful representation of that time in in America, in New York, and uh, definitely an amazing showcase of music from that time that you don't normally get to see. So I highly recommend that. Sorry, yeah, we, we can go on. No, I haven't checked it out yet, but I saw that you watched it, and I'm like, I definitely have it on my watch list because both of us are big R&B and soul fans and blues yeah, fans. Yeah, we yeah. love that stuff so much. We've played music that's been heavily influenced and still is heavily influenced by a lot of that sure. stuff. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. And then later on this year, we have the Beatles Get Back documentary, which we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, is getting expanded into a three-night uh, six hour documentary series. So yeah, just eating all of this, uh, this stuff up. Um, and you know what, we might as well just transition into our next topic, which is talking about another uh, rock documentary that's coming out very soon. And that's a Woodstock 99 uh, documentary that's going to be coming out on uh, HBO. It's called Woodstock 99 Peace, Love and Rage. 
uh, it's going to follow uh, basically this. What was like? It wasn't the sequel. It was like the threequel to Woodstock because there was Woodstock '94 as well. Uh, but we all know the story of Woodstock '99, Dave, that it ended in an orgy of flames and destruction and Limp Biscuit uh, stoking those flames with their with their devil music. Uh, and you know, some people were saying like that was the day the '90s died, in a similar vein to how when people talk about Al- Altamont in 1969 and how that was the end of the '60s. Um, but uh, they're going to interview artists who were who were playing at the festival. It's going to air on uh, HBO on uh, on July 23rd. Um, do do you remember like Woodstock? We weren't there, obviously, but I do remember. I feel like Woodstock 99 was broadcast on much music or a lot of it was broadcast on much music and that we did see that footage of them burning the place down on TV, whether it be live or soon after that. Yeah, we, um, I actually, with a dear friend of ours, Angelo Sino, uh, we, uh, we actually rented the box from the cable company nice. and it was like, it was on pay-per-view. It was. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Myself and Ange and his sister paid the 60 or $90 for like the three days of broadcast. And uh, it was awesome. We went to their house. We set it up downstairs, you know, <laughs> and we spent like the weekend indoors. Got mud all over yourselves. You know, like we went swimming, we came and checked out a band and we went, you know, so uh, yeah, I, I definitely remember the. That's uh, fun. Yeah, it was, you know, we were in high school. I think we were in high school. Yeah, yeah. Nine or 10. It was like early high school. Uh, yeah, it was a great, it was a great time. I actually. I know a few people that actually went to Woods to that Woodstock that were musicians and stuff. And one of them, I remember when they got back, they told me that they had seen a guy die. They had seen a person set on fire. They had seen a woman get raped and they had seen a baby be born. Oh, all in the three days. Circle of life. I was like, Jesus, man, that's a, that's one. That was all with the price of admission. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I definitely get why they're making a documentary about this. <laughs> Wasn't it? Didn't it all take place basically on like an air, like at an airplane hangar? So it was basically on this big concrete tarmac, um, yeah. and that they were isolated, and there wasn't hardly any water and hardly any provisions, and it was just a big shit show in general. Yeah, it was like four. It was like four or five dollars American for bottled water. Yeah, and they had completely sold out by like like halfway through day one. That's so crazy. I yeah. think. Funny enough, I think that happened at the first Woodstock too. So it's fucking like it's so many years later, and they're still having the same fucking issue. Well, it's funny because you know everybody has these rose-colored glasses about Woodstock uh, back in the day, you know, being this hippie festival of peace and love. But the reality was, people were covered in their own feces. Sure. <laughs> and we're yeah. just yeah. we're just dirty for days and days and days, and sure. just tripping balls on drugs. Um, sure. while bands played that they could hardly hear. <laughs> yeah, over there. There's, like, there's yeah. a band like a quarter mile that way. Yeah. Over the shit and the dead hippies. Yeah, exactly. Go check, go check it out. And then Amazon. You, yeah, and then the same area of Altamont, which is the big the uh, the big festival that the Rolling Stones played, that people died yeah. because the Hell's Angels were yeah. there, security. So that's messed yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Del maybe Mons. it is, yeah, it's poetic that... Woodstock 99 would end up being I don't know why every they, they say that every decade has to end in flames like can we not transition from one decade to another without people burning stuff down is that just how it goes like the yeah. 60s are done burn it down the 90s are done burn it down ah. I don't get yeah, it I know that like, we go out in flames man that's a, it's so <laughs> it's so much passion it's all contained is that how the, one day. 
Is that how the world's going to end? Is that yeah. flames with Limp Biscuit singing break stuff? Is that is yeah. that the apocalypse that's been promised yeah. to us? Yeah, like what's on the head when the president of the United States goes to hit that big doomsday button? Yeah. What's in his headphones? Like, uh, you got to have something blaring where you're lucky? like, I'm going to die. I'm gonna, I got the key in. Yeah. Like, what's in the headphones there? You know, it's not John Denver. That's for sure. <laughs> no, for sure. Definitely. Yeah, it's definitely break stuff. Nookie, maybe rearranged. Uh, the bodies at the floor. The bodies. Dave, you're making a perfect transition into our final opening act topic because, okay, once uh, the end of the world happens, right, and the right. doomsday button has been activated and Limp Biscuit and, and Fred Durst is up there being like, all right, everybody, we're all going to die. Um, when that happens, <laughs> Don't worry about the music because the music will be preserved in a Norwegian music doomsday vault. And oh, I'm not God. making this up. Thank God, Dave. Thank God. We have thank a God. contingency plan <laughs> for all this destruction. But a company in Norway is creating the global music vault uh, that is going to be using a special format to store uh, music. Pretty much it's going to last over 1,000 years buried deep underground in cool, dry conditions. This uh, vault will include music from all over the world, all genres, all eras, um, and it's actually very similar to something they've already done called the Global Seed Vault, which is doing the same thing with uh, with seeds. So, should the world come to an end, uh, Limp Biscuit style, uh, we will be able to rebuild with the seeds and the music of the past to last for all time, so that we can still survive and we can still thrive. Um, so Dave, what, what are you thinking about this? What, what bands are you putting in the doomsday vault? Oh, fuck. Uh, of all time. I guess the Beatles would go in there. Uh, yeah. Like you'd have to do like, you know, the best of the, I think if, I think we would be okay if you did like, if ever, if we did like maybe the top 20 bands of every genre of every era, like yeah. top 20 of the sixties or the fifties, the forties, the third, all the way through. Yeah, and you know when we got to the '60s, we started doing American and British. I think we would be okay. Yeah, but well, you know, there's other world music that we need to think about as well. Is there? Yeah, you need to be <laughs> you need to representative of everything, Dave. Sure. So, what are we getting in there? What are we getting? We got to have like representations of every culture now. Classical music. We have. Yeah, we have to have uh, international. How music. big is this? Is this a hard drive that's just being? I think it's like some sort of weird film or like microfiche or some sort of yeah. some sort of coded film. Um, Sounds like an I, NFT. What if it's just like an iPod? <laughs> you go. Oh, yeah. Okay, so a thousand years from now, right? They send this team and they're like, you have to go retrieve the music vault so we can rebuild society. And they get <laughs> they that, right? right? They're like, smoke everywhere. This huge, this huge <laughs> metal vault. They go to open it up and it's just an iPod <laughs> sitting on a, <laughs> yeah. on a, like yeah. a little pedestal. It's not even charged. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> Who's got an adapter? Oh my God. It's like, oh my God, we don't, those adapters haven't been available for a thousand years. Yeah. We don't even have wall, we don't even have uh, wall plugs that, uh, that they can use yeah. anymore. That's so funny. Yeah. Well, you know, we're making fun of the, uh, the end of humanity here, Dave. I don't know if you feel happy about that, but I don't. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do, brother. I, uh, I don't know who I would throw in there. Like there's, there's so much music and all that stuff and yeah, yeah world, like world music. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, throw us in there. You know, have something to, have something good to rebuild on at least. But yeah. uh, 
Yeah, like, I don't know. And who's making the decision? Like, who's like, you know, like Madonna. Well, no, I heard that companies will be able to pay to get in on this. If you're you're a record label or whatever, you know, your universal music, you can pay a fee to have your artist placed in the vault. The Super Bowl halftime scheme. Yeah, exactly. It's Mm. it's another money. It's another money making scheme. Everything's got to be monetized. Everything's got to. Everything's got to have some value to it, man. Welcome to the Tonight Show. It'll cost you thirty thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. yeah you want it. your music to survive, you know? Like imagine getting a music yeah. meeting. They're like, "Listen, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just saying, you want this music to survive, don't you? Wouldn't yeah. it be a shame if this was lost, lost to the to the ages? Everybody would be would be devastated. Isn't this your life's work? You just yeah. want to push it aside." Well, I read that the labels actually do all have different vaults around the world where they store their music in digital form. Sure. So I guess I, I guess we're okay. But you know, if the end of the world does happen, along with they'll, there'll be seeds and there'll be music. So there well, you, be, you, you, know. you know what's interesting that we're talking about this too is uh, I just saw somebody talking about um, Jim Carrey. And Jim Carrey was you know how he's a painter now, like he paints all the time. Yeah. He's a comedian. And somebody asked him at a party, they were like, oh, what are you up to? And he was like, oh, I'm, I'm a paint, I've been painting a lot. I've been selling works of art off. It's my new thing. Like um, I transferred my art energy into painting. And somebody was like, but why? Like you're like this super famous comedic actor and stand up. And you know, like, why are you so like, why would you change the painting? And he said that he, he realized that he no one now knows the people that inspired him when he got into comedy so within 50 years no one will give a fuck about jim carrey Mm -hmm. and his acting so he realized that so he feels that having the physical present painting and, and and making paintings now is a is a better way to be remembered forever Mm -hmm. Interesting. So, you know, little well, true. Well, you know, it, art does have that type of longevity. Right? Like, it's an interesting way to, and like, to know somebody's at that level and think like, fuck, what I did is great, but it ain't forever. And, and to know yeah. that is pretty, you know, kind of ahead of itself, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jim Carrey's a genius. I watched that. There was a documentary, not to get too off topic, but there was a documentary on uh, on Netflix about him uh, when he was making Man on the Moon and he was uh, portraying Andy Kaufman. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, <laughs> it's either, you know, he's either a genius or he's an idiot, but I lean more yeah. on to, I love Jim Carrey, so I lean more towards the genius uh, side of things. Sure, 100%. Man. Yeah, that was an amazing documentary yeah. too. And I, uh, I really like that movie. And, you know, the fact that he just, he goes into the character, man. Like that's your, and listen, I'm not saying it's not going to crumple some feathers and ruffle some feathers, but yeah. it's going to happen. Like when you're that involved and you want to sell something that much, that's what you have to do. And the people that don't understand it are the people that aren't Jim Carrey. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Know, and he's at that point in his career, he's made so much money that he can just pursue his own, uh, his own interests yeah man i think it's awesome like i think about that too because i'm i've always been into art and i've always been into other things and i think that i look at everything i do artistically as like that kind of like well this is my mark you know like yeah. i have kids i own some property and then here's my <laughs> here's music, my artistic yeah. Yeah. impression of onto the world right yeah and uh but like realistically like other than my family and my friends that will all eventually be gone like 
what, what happens? You know, what happens to it 60 years down? Like, you know, people love Whitney and Bobby, but where are they 60 years from now? You know, like, <laughs> they will always love Whitney and Bobby. Always. You know? Yeah. Well, you think about, you know, even with a band like the Beatles, think about, well, sure. what's their, what's their longevity? It's already been uh, 60 years. So I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> sure. It could, it and, and, and it could be, it could be, uh, you know, it could be another hundred, you know, 160 years. They're like, yeah. they talk about them. Like we talk about Beethoven and we talk about, you know, other, and there are those people, there are those instrumental forces that come in that are artistic brilliance that we've never seen the likes of that change the society and how yeah. people think things should be. That definitely happens, but that's only like less than 0.001% of, of the people doing that thing, you know, like, that's yeah. why a lot of art, like so many artists die for, and then they're, they have these priceless paintings, you know? Yeah, for sure. All right. Hey. Well, it's all going in the vault. Yeah, put it, put it in the vault. Jim Carrey's pictures, Ace Ventura, yeah. Dumb and Dumber, and all those in the vault. Yeah, for sure. The cable guy, it's all got to be yeah. in there. Vault it. Vault it. It's in the vault. The Dis Disney the vault. has a vault, so everybody else can have a vault too. Does Disney still have a vault? No. Isn't everything no. streaming? Everything, yeah, everything's streaming. They don't have the vault anymore, unfortunately. They should they should have done the vault thing a little bit to like pull in more people. Yeah. Right? Because then every month it could be like Disney's releasing, like it could build up Little Mermaid again, like in 4K high definition, you know? Yeah. Out of the vaults, you know. But you know, that's the thing. Everything's out of the vault now. That you gotta get that yeah. monthly subscription, right? So they blew it. They blew it. Sorry, Disney. All right, let's get to our headliner topic for this week's Rock Squad podcast. <laughs> Dave, this is, uh, I, I was like, should this be the headliner? But it, is, it should be the headliner because it's going to lead to a, a larger conversation. That is, guess what, Dave? Shocking news. Rush is not getting back together. Can you believe it? Are you shocked? Are you as devastated as I am that Rush is not getting I, back together? I don't think Rush should get back together. I think yeah. Neil Pert. Without Neil Peart, nothing should happen. That's yeah, what I think. Exactly. Well, uh, uh, Rush guitarist Alex Lifeson agrees with you, uh, and he shut down any possibility of a reunion of the famous Canadian rock trio. We're from Canada. We we live and breathe Rush here in Canada. Uh, but he, you know, he praised the band's fans and their passion for the for the band and for everything that they've done. But as we all know, Neil Peart, the drummer and lyricist of Rush, passed away uh, in early 2020. So a reunion is obviously out of the question and I th it kind of bugs me i wonder why this is uh why this is really news i know we're making it news we're talking about it here on the podcast but uh to me it's a no-brainer that rush would would get to would wouldn't get back together without neil pert because it depends on what the band is right when you think about different bands the way that different bands operate and which bands have uh, which members you think about rush rush was very much those three guys they were a unit. It was, it was, it was Getty, it was Alex, and it was Neil. And those guys, I know they had a drummer originally too, but it was those three guys that created Rush. So when one of those pieces leaves and one of those pieces dies, it, it, it does, it absolutely makes sense that they wouldn't get back together. You think about Pink Floyd with Richard Wright, you think about Led Zeppelin with John Bonham, um, you think about so many bands. Um, that have those those key members and those units, you know, the Beatles, it was those four guys. And not every band is like that. Some bands, they have multiple members die and leave over the course of, uh, of over many years and they replace them and it's not a big deal. 
But for Rush, it was those three guys. So I find the conversation that even fans would even contemplate Rush getting back together. I find that to be completely laughable. Yeah, not to mention he's the primary lyric writer yeah. for the band. So, yeah, it's it, that's a tough one. Like, that's a you can't it, like. First of all, who in God's green earth is going to play like Neil Peart? Yeah. First off, like you're like there's only a handful of guys that are at that level that you you know that would fit that mold. Not that there's not any Taylor Hawkins. Like, and then you throw in the fact that like you know the songs are his soul. Yeah, like uh, you know, I think it's fine, and I, you know, I think there's probably plenty of Rush recordings uh, sitting around somewhere, sitting on tape in a warehouse somewhere on on some storage file uh, that they'll have plenty of stuff to put out and work on as Rush without Neil Bird, without having to like what have new music. Like, what's the expectation here? You know yeah. what I mean? Like. So like I think I think they'll be plenty fulfilled in their rush legacy with the side little rush things that come up every an anniversary or a reissue and uh, you know these B sides from this I'm sure there's tons of stuff there's probably stuff that's uh, ready to go that we don't even know about that they're gonna put out you know mm-hmm. so um, I I'm not I'm not shocked about it at all I think that that band is a three piece forever. And you can't just, you know, this isn't Blink-182, folks. Right. This is rough. Yeah. And, it, like, I think that's how it should be handled. And I think those guys probably agree with us. And they have a legacy in place, right? Yeah. They have a great musical legacy of great records. They, they tour their asses off. They really did everything they could do uh, after, after the, you know, so many years as a band. So I think there, there's always this reluctance among classic rock fans to, to let bands go and to retire. Yeah. Um, you have a band like the Rolling Stones, which f- for some reason, and I'm totally glad they're still around, but for some reason they're, they're still going. I know they don't, they're not active as you know, as they used to be, but they're still a band. All the members are still alive uh, <laughs> for the Rolling Stones. are still Barely. boggles my mind uh, that these bands are, that they're still going strong and that's good for them. But not every band is built like that. You know, you think about the Beatles. Yeah. The Beatles broke up 50 years ago, <laughs> right? So, yeah. Uh, and they've continued on as a brand, even though the band may not exist, the brand continues. So, yeah, like you're saying, even though Rush uh, isn't an active band that you're going to be able to go pay tickets to go see live, the Rush uh, reissue train will continue. They'll go into their own vaults to find more material that they can reissue and repurpose uh, over, over the next few years. So in that case... Rush still exists, but it's weird because that, I guess, happens to every band, especially when you have these bands that are legends like Rush, is that they they transition. So they're no longer an active band, but they're still Rush. They still have an Instagram account and a Facebook account and a Twitter account that stay active to keep Rush alive. You know what I mean? It's very strange, especially in modern times that when a band breaks up or members leave or they're no longer exist, like they're done. Like there's nothing else to say, but that's not how it works anymore. Is that if a band no longer exists as a, an actual thing, it still exists as a, uh, as business. a brand and, and a business that continues yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah, man. When you're a legacy band like that, like it's, it's not just you, you know what I mean? Like there's an entire, you've got your four or five managers and agents and stuff and publicists and then you got everybody else that works for you. So 
keeping that money source coming in and keeping publishing going and keeping interest in the band um, and just the branding itself to make that happen is, is as big, if not bigger than the, the band itself. Like you look at the music and the merchandise sold of the Beatles since the Beatles broke up. Right. It's, you can't even like, you know what I mean? Like it's a, it's a totally different angle of it. Like if there doesn't necessarily need to be, new music if you keep the brand pushed right the right way and well but that goes back to the conversation that we were just having about the vault and you know how long the shelf life of these bands have how long do these bands have a have a legacy and until people start to forget about them is that possible now if you have a band like the beatles or pink floyd or led zeppelin that's being constantly repurposed for a new generation uh for spotify you know you have all the beatles albums being remastered for for new audiences for spotify streams and they're still getting billions of streams uh nirvana we were talking about it last week on the show got a billion streams on spotify for a song that's 30 years old uh kirk cobain died 20 you know 6 27 27 years ago uh you know what i mean it's it's absolutely insane but these things continue on and so as time goes on do we just continue to to keep that train going or is there a time when you go on the beatles instagram account and they're like listen guys it was good. It, we, we were able to keep this thing going. Yeah, we were able to keep this thing going for 60, 70 years, but there's a point where we just have to say we're done. You know, there's you know, no the truth, there's no more remasters of Sgt. Pepper that we can put out, you know. The the truth is we don't know how long it can go for because this is our like this era of the history of planet. This is new. Like it's yeah. so like you know what i mean sure there have been bands that have come and gone but like real staple this is this is the last 150 years you know what i mean so uh it it really time will tell like how how much of an impact the digital climate and and stuff have on the longevity of bands that size even like you know like how long like we we distribute music and stuff and how long do the, our distributors keep distributing music or keep paying for the servers that hold the music that's been right. distributed? Like, when does that, you know, when does CD baby go away? When does all that start to fall apart? Yeah. You know, like what, at what, what time, you know? So I don't know. The answer is there is no real answer yet. Like we're still in this era of music and uh, taking information and saving it is still in full effect so mm-hmm. time will tell but i definitely think it'll be longer than it was but it's also you know we're we're cursed with the over communication and the over stimulation of so much product and so much music that things that are great are getting lost in the shuffle already so it's just a matter of time i think you know it might be 80 might be 100 but 150 years i don't think anybody cares about the Beatles anymore yeah yeah, there'll be new stuff to care about. People will be like, yeah. Billie Eilish, she was the greatest. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, with Rush, it's uh, it's it's not a surprise that they're not going to be getting back together. They can't do it without Neil Peart. They shouldn't do it without Neil Peart. No. Uh, it makes absolutely no sense for them to do that. And I think it's absolutely unrealistic for fans to have an expectation. <laughs> Fine, if Getty and, and, and uh, Alex want to get together and do something else, it's called something else. That's sure. not Rush. Go for it. But yeah, it's, it's okay to to let them go. And I think they probably feel like that too, that they've really done their bit and they're proud of what they've done and uh, that they're able to move on to different things. They have families, they have lives uh, and that they, they should just 
keep going with that. They don't need to keep going back to rush. Yeah, the side projects and the little, yeah, and they, like, you know, they can do a cage and plant thing. If it's yeah. all right, like, for sure. And no one, no, you know, and they'll, and they'll probably, this is the thing, they'll probably do a page and plant thing with yeah. like a Mike Portnoy playing drums or something. Yeah. And it'll be amazing. And they'll throw some Rush songs in. Mm. That's what's going to happen. Like, let's be realistic. But like mm. them touring and writing and releasing music as Rush, I think they should just put it to rest. And, you know, they, they can still live and sell off, take, sell tickets off of that success. And I think they should just do their own thing. Like, like the page and plant with a great drummer, throw in some rush songs to keep all the fans happy at the show yeah. and to pay tribute to the great, one of the greatest bands of all time that they happen to be a part of. Yeah. Agreed for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, that's our headliner topic for this week's podcast. Let us know what you guys thought of all the different topics that we talked about this week on the podcast. Let us know in the comments uh here on youtube or if you're listening on the podcast we appreciate a review on apple Podcasts or google Podcasts, wherever you're listening or watching but before we get out of here we got to do our tracks of the week um dave i'll go first well we already talked about it it's oasis for me do you know what i mean is my track of the week because i just love this song so much it's psychedelic seven plus minutes the greatest thing about you know what i mean is that it's like three minutes before the song even kicks in for the first two and a half minutes, it's just beeps and boops and feedback and, and all this noise that is completely unnecessary, but I love it. Uh, it's indulgent. So much cocaine was, uh, was uh, taken on this thing, and uh, it's all the better for it. So that is my track of the week. What do you got? Uh, I've been uh, jumping into the 90s a little bit and uh, revisiting some of my favorite uh, rock bands, and I've been in a big silver chair kick. For the last uh, couple of days, I've been throwing them on. Silver so, chair. Uh, I'm gonna do uh, off a of freak show, off that album. I'm gonna do uh, the closing off of uh, Welcome freak show. to the closing. Those those Great albums song. are great. All all three, all four of those albums are really good. So you know what um, I was playing the other day. Replaying. to ask a question calling out my name no one seems to like you wish I couldn't come on abuse me more I like it <laughs> sorry I don't think YouTube will get us for that but See, we're always on the way, same wavelength. We're both listening to Silverchair. That's a great record, though. Freak Show. Um, so the Door is a great song from that record. Oh, Abuse so Me, obviously. <laughs> Cemetery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Great, uh, underrated, uh, underrated for their time, for sure. Yeah, and I know our, our drummer, Adam Cannon, he's a big Silverchair fan. He loves oh, yeah. them. And they worked with uh, Dave Bottrell, who we know, like the the producer. He, yeah, yeah. He did quite a, uh, a few things with Silverchair, which is cool. Yeah, their four, their fourth record, I think he did the one yeah. after Neon Ballroom. Young, yeah. young mod. No, Diorama. No, Diorama. Yeah, yeah great record too. Yeah. They, that's the thing. Like they never went away, and their records got progressively good. Like, yeah. You know, it's hard to find a bad track on any of those records. Yeah, and that's a reunion. Vibe, I'd like the vibe to see. changes. Yeah, the vibe changes. I got to see, I've seen them a few times live, and the last time was for that, uh, mo- the modern one. The yeah. Modern, 
or whatever. And, uh, you know, it was awesome. I remember standing there and I'm like, you know, I've watched these guys since they were 15 years old. And now they're like, you know, they're in their mid thirties and they crush just as hard as they did when they were, it's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. And they're worth going to see. They're a great live band too. So, yeah. you know, if you don't, uh, if you don't know, this is a fun fact, Ben from Silver's Chair still works in the record shop in Australia that he worked in when he was like first in the band. Yeah. Well, why not? He's got probably doing okay from silver chair money and might as well enjoy yourself and work in a record store. Love it. Imagine that you're buying, like, you're like, Oh, I'm buying a silver chair. Yeah. Like, Aren't you Ben? Yeah. From the course, of course I am mate. You know? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. Well, that's a good, uh, good pick uh, silver chair. I remember seeing them at edge fest 99. Uh, yeah. They played that. And then I saw them with blink at Maple leaf gardens. Oh, that's cool. Uh, in 1999 as well, the fall of 99. So that was cool. I think that was the only time I ever saw them. Those two. Yeah, times. I saw the the one, uh, the Edge Trust one you mentioned. Yeah, we were Barry, there. Yeah. I saw there, and then uh, the uh, more recently was in Chicago. I saw them. Yeah, we, yeah went to, awesome. we went to Edge Fest 99. Nobody burned anything down. It rained all day. That's what I remember about Edge Fest 99 because that was my first festival. And I remember you and Ange, our buddy Angelo, were like kind of like pros. You guys had been a couple of years before yeah. that and me and mike our buddy mike uh we were like new to it and that was like the first time oh, yeah. we ever went and it was our first uh, festival hold you from the porta potty mud no yeah. man you don't want to be sliding in that Let's yeah exactly but those, those are so fun i don't think i could do that anymore but uh, those were the days yeah you know i the, the reason i i enjoy going to chicago so much is because Wallapalooza is right on michigan avenue yeah uh like grant park is right there so when you go to that festival, your hotel, like you can see your hotel at all times when you're at yeah. the festival. So you take breaks, you go back, you have a shower, you go get some food, you exp yeah, explore the city. Wonderful, wonderful times in Chicago. Yeah, it's different than Edge Fest, which, which was at oh, Wilson yeah. Park out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, good luck. Good luck. You're yeah. in Barry. Welcome have to fun. Barry. Yeah, totally. All right. Well, that is our Rock Squad podcast for this week. We're going to wrap things up. Uh, you can follow me at The Walking Nick on Twitter and Instagram. And where can the folks follow you, Dave? Red Coast Records, Instagram, Facebook. We also play in a band. I don't know if anybody knows that, but we play in yeah. a band called Fools Union, foolsunion.com. You can listen to songs that we write with our, with our dear band members. We release them. We make videos. Uh, Fools Union. Fools Union on Instagram, Fools Union Facebook. What a great show, man. Yeah, it was a good one. Well, we'll see everybody again uh, for next week's show. I'll be doing a rock album review coming up uh, this weekend for the new Wallflowers album called Exit cool. Rules. Uh, so keep your eyes peeled for that. But until then, we'll see you guys next week for another episode of the Rock Squad podcast. Rock on, Dave. Rock on, Nick. Rock on, Nick.